0: everyone wants to make the most of their life. Pastor and teacher Dr. Bill Galarakis of Columbia Road Baptist Church guides us into that focused and meaningful Christian life that will make a difference today and for eternity. Get ready for our next episode of Changing Lives,
1: Changing Eternities. Here's Pastor Bill. You are too busy. You probably don't need a lot of... um... Convincing that that statement's true, do you? I think most of us today live too fast for our own souls, too busy for our own souls. We live, at least if you're in America or in the Western world, we live in a time when technology has automated many things for us. Our society has become advanced with logistics so that we can do things that used to take a long time and much shorter periods of time. And instead of taking the time saved and using it for freedom and using it for rest, we take it and we fill it with more stuff. I'm Pastor Bill Galarakis. I'm glad you've joined me today. I want to talk to you about the idea of rest and what's truly essential. Rest and what's truly essential. It says in Psalm 90 and verse number 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Wisdom. You know, I remember being a, a teenager and thinking that the age that I am at currently at the recording of this was just so old and it was so far away and it would never come. And it's probably only about 20 years down the road from when I thought those thoughts. But when you're that young, you think you're going to live forever and that seems forever away. But as you get older or as certain things happen in your life that make you realize that life is fleeting, you start to realize I need to apply my life in my life, I need to apply myself to the right things. This passage again says, so teach us to number our days. When we realize we only have a certain number of days, we won't just keep being lazy or apathetic or undirected. You know, you rarely drift to wherever it is you want to go. It takes intention. There's a lot of people that just drift through life. But if you know Christ is Savior, if there was ever a time when by faith, you believing that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the grave, you prayed and asked him to forgive your sins and be your Savior, if, if that's you, you have a purpose on this earth and you only have so long to accomplish it. The second part of this verse says that we need to be not just taught to number our days, but we do it so that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. What is truly important? So many things in this world are just noise, just background noise, things that are not important. And yet we've allowed them to dominate our lives. And they make us so busy that we have no time for rest. We can't stop and think. We're constantly moving from one day to the next, from one week to the next, from one month to the next. And before you know it, another year is gone. And you think, what have I accomplished? What have I accomplished? And it's the thinking that things will always go on like this forever that allow us to keep doing that. This psalm or prayer of Moses in Psalm 90 that I read for you has this nugget of truth that we need to apply ourselves to wisdom, to the the most important things. You know, the Bible talks much about wisdom, especially in the book of Proverbs. It says it's better than riches. It's better than silver and gold. It's better than rubies and precious gems. Wisdom is... Using knowledge and understanding the right way for the right things. And so, in life, there's really only a few things that are that important. And that is not the message that you get out there in the world. I once read a book called Essentialism by Greg McCowan. Now, he's a believer, but this book was written for the business world. And it's well written. It's one of the top five books, I would say, aside from the Bible, that has impacted me and the subtitle or the the motto for that book is the disciplined pursuit of less for more right the disciplined pursuit of less it's doing more of the important things that really matter one of the phrases that comes from that book is doing uh, a, a making a millimeter of progress in a million directions you could imagine that in your mind, a millimeter of progress in a million directions. Instead of going in the direction that is the most important and charting your course, we just sort of drift. We just sort of drift. And as Christian people, as God's people, we have an important calling. We have a work to do. We're to see people come to know Christ as Savior. We're to see those that believe be edified and strengthened. We don't just have infinite amount of time for that. It's in this life that that we have an opportunity to lay up treasures in heaven, that we have an abundant entry when we get there, that there would be reward for our labors. You see, when you and I as believers stand before the Lord at the end of our lives, it will not be in judgment over whether or not we go to heaven or hell. That's already cared for. The moment that you trust Christ as Savior, you have eternal life. I want to read a passage for you. I'm flipping to it in my Bible right now out of 1 John that talks about eternal life as a present possession. Not something that will come, but something that we have right now. It says in First John chapter 5 and verse number 11, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. In verse 12, it says that he that hath the Son hath life, meaning right now, present possession, present tense, you have that. So you and I, that was settled. Jesus settled all of that on the cross for us when he died for us and as us, and when he was buried and rose from the dead. Our sins are paid for. God is satisfied with the payment that his Son has made for our sins through his own blood, dying on the cross. So we're not going to stand before God in judgment of whether or not we get to heaven or hell, it's whether or not we get reward for the things that we've done. And the question is, were we faithful with the things that we have been given? Were we faithful with the things that we have been given? The older I get, the more I realize that I'm only good at a very few things. I'm I'm only good at a very few things. And I need to concentrate on those things because that's how God made me. Dr. Charles Keene was... Uh, a great friend of mine is a great friend of mine, and he, when we were together in Tennessee, he told me that you you work on your weaknesses, but you build on your strengths. God has made us to, to a certain way that we're all gifted in a certain way, naturally talented at birth, spiritually gifted at salvation, and we need to be doing the things that make our biggest contribution to the work of God. And so what are those things? What you're hearing from the world, this whole system that leaves God out, this standard of living and belief that leaves God out all around us, what you're hearing from them is that you've got to do everything all the time. You've got to throw the Pinterest level birthday party and you have to have your kids involved in every sport and every extracurricular activity and you need to be doing all sorts of different things. You need to have a large group of friends and a successful career and a beautiful home and you need to have a a healthy body and you need to be on the the latest diet fad taking all of these sub uh, not <laughs> all of these um supplements. You've got to be doing all of this. You've got to be the perfect person. You got to be dressed well. You've got to be everything to everyone at all times. And that is just not possible. And if you live your life that way, you're not going to accomplish what God set you on this earth to do. He saved you to do something, not not just to be blown about, but to do something. So let me ask you a question. What is it that you're doing right now? What is it that you're giving your time and your energy and your money to right now in your life? It's a big part of your life. But one second into eternity, one moment after you've breathed your last breath here and your first breath of celestial air and you step into heaven, what is it that you're doing now that won't make any difference then? What is it that you're doing now that won't make any difference then? I think it's sad to say that we give ourselves to things that are not that important. And what we need to do is boil things down to what are the essential things in life? And am I living my life towards doing those things? I have, uh, I have a habit of getting into hobbies and going deep into them. You know, I just don't dabble. If I find something I like, I've got to do it all the way. You know, I've got to get into the, (laughs) into the nitty gritty weeds of it. And that can be a problem. That can be a problem. It can be a problem because I don't have time for all of those things, not if I'm going to put the most important things in my life first. You know, if you were to look at your priorities in life as a Christian, of course, the Lord is over all of them. He's the one who determines our priorities. God is preeminent or ought to be preeminent in our lives, which means he's not number one on our list. He's above the list. He's the one who decides where everything else goes on the list. But if I were to think about my responsibilities on this earth, the first thing that I need to look at is my own walk with God. Nothing else will be in its rightful place unless God is in his rightful place. So before I think about being a an employee or a student, before I think about being a husband or a father, before I think about being a son, before I think about being a brother, before any of those things, I need to walk before the Lord, and that needs to be my priority. And that is a hard battle to fight because That is not the squeakiest wheel. You've probably heard that the squeaky wheel gets the the grease, right? The idea that the louder something clamors at you, the more attention that it gets. Well, your walk with God, your own personal quiet time with God, where you're reading and praying and communing with Him, where you're getting rest for your own soul as you spend time with your Creator in silence and in solitude and in singing at times, that is not a loud voice. It's usually the still small voice, but it is the core of what we need to be doing. And once God is in his place and it's my walk before him, the, the next thing that's important to me is, in my case, is my marriage, right? That is my greatest ministry here on earth. I'm a pastor of a wonderful church, but I want you to know my greatest ministry is not being the pastor of Columbia Road Baptist Church. It is being the husband to my wife, Because in that relationship, I can do my most harm or my most good because of the access and the trust that is in that relationship. And so I need to be looking at what am I doing with my own walk with God first, secondly with my marriage, third is my children. If you don't happen to have children, I understand, but God has given me children. And so I will stand before him one day to give an account for what did I do with what I've been given, and something I've been given is children. And I want to raise them in the, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I want to take time for that. And it's hard to do that. It's hard because I'm selfish. It's probably hard for you because you're selfish. We want to live for ourselves, not for anyone else, not even for our children. But that's a higher priority than myself. The fourth thing I come to is the the ministry that God has given me. right? The ministry that God has given me to be a pastor, but for you that perhaps are a member of a church and i hope you have a good local church if you're not a member of our church uh, i hope that you find one near you that is teaching and preaching the bible i um i have to be involved in that but my my walk with my personal walk with god comes before my public ministry and my relationship with my wife comes before my public ministry and my relationship with my children comes before my public ministry i'll never forget i'll never forget the only time I was at the Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh the the church where Lee Robertson was the pastor. Dr. Lee Robertson was the pastor for a number of years, founder of Tennessee Temple, all, all of that wonderful ministry and and that has since gone by, which is sort of sad, but the only time I was ever in that church was for Dr. Robertson's funeral. And anybody who's familiar with his ministry and he's written many books and He preached for many, many years. I think he preached well into his 90s. But anyone who's familiar with him knows that there was much fruit from his ministry. So many lives were changed. So many people's eternities were changed through his ministry. And not just through him, but for the men and women that he trained. Fantastic things have happened. But I want you to know that at the end of his life, at the end of his life, one of his sons got up and he was very bitter. He was very, very bitter, and he talked about how he gave and his family gave their dad away to that church, away to that city, and away to God's people around the country, and he says, I hope you're happy, and he was so angry about it. You see, it's such a temptation even for the best of us, even for the best of us, to try and win the world and lose our family. And so my public ministry is important, but I, I want you to know that I will choose my child, any one of them, I'll choose them over public ministry any day of the week because God has given them to me and they are before and above that. Then comes my, my ministry. If you're in, in um, the secular world vocationally, which is the vast majority of people, if you're there, that's when your, your job comes in those orders. And so we, we see a priority here. But a lot of us are giving our thought life, our financial life, our time towards things that are not on there and will not make the biggest difference, that will not make the biggest difference. I don't know how God has gifted you, but I know that he has. I know that he has. And if you don't spend your time focusing on that area of giftedness, what he's made you to do, you're going to miss out and you're not going to make your biggest contribution for his work for his glory, and for the good of other people around you. So that's something that we could talk about, and we probably will. We'll have a whole other podcast talking about giftings and spiritual gifts and the talents that God gives us and how we can use them for him. But I want to challenge you to make room for rest in your life. And the way you do that is by cutting back the things that are unnecessary, cutting back the things that are unnecessary. You see, I'm not in my Christian life for a sprint where I'm going to run hard and run fast until there's nothing left, and then I just collapse and I'm no good to anybody. My goal is not to burn the candle on both ends all the time in order to become some sort of shipwreck where I morally fail or I just physically cannot go any further. I know that when I was younger as a Christian and I read about all of these missionaries that gave their lives as young men and women... And they, they just, they gave everything that they had and, and then they died in this blaze of glory as a young person. I thought, wow, that's, that's how we ought to live. But then I started to look at the life of the Lord Jesus. He never seemed hurried. He took time, though he ministered sometimes well into the night. When other people wanted to send the crowds away, he said, no, we're going to keep them here. But there was a time when the crowds were gone that he went apart alone to pray. Or after he had sent his disciples out on their own, two by two, and they came back rejoicing, telling him all of the great things that they had done, he tried to get away into a desert place, into a place in the wilderness where no one was around so that they could rest. God, in the creation of the world, set us a pattern in which he worked six days and rested on the seventh. Now, God didn't need to rest. He wasn't tired. He is perfect. He doesn't run out of stamina. He doesn't get overworked. But he set a pattern for that. It's codified in the laws of Moses, and they gave lots of rules so that people would rest on the Sabbath day. And though we as New Testament people don't honor the Sabbath day the same way that those under the law did, the pattern is still there for a day of rest. Most of us don't rest at all, ever. We might entertain ourselves, but we don't truly rest. I had some friends uh, back in Tennessee, and they did something really unusual. They they wanted to see what would happen as a family if they had to live in a real primitive situation for a period of time. So other than their freezer and their refrigerator, they turned off all the power in their house. This is a family that had children. They turned off all the power in their house, and they, they wanted to see living for a week what it would be like without... Wi-Fi, without electronic handheld devices, without all of these things. Sort of an, an outlandish thing to do as we think about it today. But I'll tell you, you know what they did for the first two days? They had teenagers, they had young kids as well. You know what they did for the first two days of their week without electricity and electronics? They slept. As soon as they no longer were distracted and entertained, as soon as there were no more videos to watch and podcasts to listen to, television shows to watch, video games to play, meetings, conversations. As soon as all of that stopped, they realized how tired they were and that they were running themselves into the ground. For people that are supposed to apply themselves to wisdom, how wise does it sound to run yourself into the ground? As we look at the life of the Lord Jesus, who was most definitely a diligent worker, And yet even he took time away, sending the crowds away. Could he have done more? Yes, but he chose not to. Because though he was fully God, he was fully man. And you and I, as God's people, we're not in this for a sprint. We're in this for a marathon. God may give us a long run. He may give us a short run. But there's a race that's set before us. And we must run it with endurance. We must run it with endurance. So when you and I think about recreation as God's people, some of the most diligent of us feel like, well, you shouldn't have any hobbies if you're a dedicated Christian because you should just be serving and giving of yourself all the time. And I would say, look at the Lord Jesus's life. And though he was serving and giving of himself, he also took time away to rest. You say, I'm too busy to take time away to rest. Then you're doing something that you don't need to be doing. God-given responsibilities never conflict. God-given responsibilities never conflict. That's one of the great lessons that Dr. Clarence Sexton taught me. And the idea is you're doing something that's outside of what God has for you to do if you're too busy to rest. You know, I noticed that my productivity is much higher when I'm rested. I can do things in a very short amount of time with fewer resources when I'm rested than when I'm dead tired. If I'm dead tired, it takes me twice as long, sometimes three times as long. I make mistakes. But when I'm rested and I'm able to apply myself to it, I can get much more done in a shorter period of time. And so I want to challenge you in your life to take a little bit of an inventory. What are you giving your time to? I want you to walk through this past week. What did you do on Monday? What did you do on Tuesday? What did you do on Wednesday? What did you do over your weekend when you had some, quote, free time to yourself. I think that we're involved in things that we probably need to let go. You say, but I enjoy those things. I have many hobbies too, and I have had to cull them. I've had to limit them in order to find time to rest, to be the Christian before God that I'm supposed to be, to be the husband that I'm supposed to be, to be the father I'm supposed to be, to be the pastor that I'm supposed to be. I've had to call those things because I have a calling that is far beyond just running towards every shiny thing that this world has to offer. And my kids, they are not involved in every activity that you can imagine, and I am not always carting them around to every activity, and that was a conscious decision. And some people may say, well, you're depriving your children of something that they need in order to be successful in life. If my children, (laughs) here I want you to know my children are unlikely to become professional athletes. They're unlikely to become professional athletes. And so, though as good as sports and sporting activities are, the way that it helps us discipline the body, how it teaches us to work together as a team, how it builds good habits, I want you to know there's a very little chance that they're going to go pro in any sports, but there's a 100% chance that they're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for what it is they did with what they were given. Are you living too fast for your soul? then take some inventory and find out what it is that you need to let go. You're going to have to make some changes in your life because there's going to be trade-offs. Anyone who tells you you can do everything and anything is not telling you the truth. You are going to have to make some trade-offs. But I promise you, when you put the right things in their right places, beginning with the Lord, and you call out those things that are not truly essential, truly important, and you focus in on what is, and you create enough margin for rest, you're going to find a life that is so much more fruitful than anything you had experienced up until this point. May God guide you as you take inventory, as you try and rest and find out what he has made you to do and to do those few essential things.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Changing Lives, Changing Eternities. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to our podcast to catch our next episode. To hear even more of God's Word, we invite you to join us this Sunday either in person at Columbia Road Baptist Church, North Olmsted, Ohio, or online at columbiaroad.org live, YouTube, or through our mobile app. Make sure you like us on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Remember, let's be more than hearers, let's be doers. Live out the truth of God's Word this week, and you'll change people's lives and their eternities. Until next time, thanks for listening, and may God bless you.